Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and we have a big-time show for you today. Tab Ramos, one of the all-time greats to ever wear the USA uniform. He's the head coach of the U.S. Under-20 men's national team. They begin CONCACAF qualifications today against Puerto Rico, and he was kind enough to squeeze some time in here on our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Then Janet Rayfield, the first woman to receive the prestigious United Soccer Coaches Honor Award. She has been the head coach of the Illinois women's soccer team for 17 years. Rough season a year ago. She has her team back in the Big Ten Tournament semifinals. She is on. How about Adam Cooper, the head coach for St. Mary's College, the Gales, number five in the country. They are the only undefeated team in Division I men's soccer. He's on the program. And then Rob Kehoe, the director of college programs for United Soccer Coaches, will wrap up the show with the places to be as conference tournament is kicking decision day for NCAA tournament around the corner as well. And it all starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. We promise a big show, and we start with a big name, one of the biggest names to ever wear a USA uniform, Tab Ramos. He's the head coach of the U.S. Under-20 men's national team. They are getting set for qualifications for the 2019 World Cup, which will be in June in Poland. And Tab joins me now. Tab, thanks for being with me. Hi, Dean. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, delighted to have you, particularly as uh, you approach CONCACAF qualifying. Your first game is on Thursday. Talk about the teams that you are playing and your approach as you get ready to try to qualify for the World Cup. Well, uh, this is my fourth uh, cycle as U20 national team coach, so by this, you know, at this time, I already know that it's going to be a really difficult process. We, you know, um, regardless of what teams we play, we, you know, we had a difficult time all three times that we've qualified so far. Although we're the defending champions at this point, uh, but this tournament in particular is a little bit different than what we've had in the past. We have uh, we're in a group of um, six teams in the first round, uh, and only one gets out of our group. Um, you know, as far as the you know the strength of the opponents, I would think that you know Trinidad and Tobago, Puerto Rico likely the, the two strongest teams in our group, um, but obviously only one can get out. And then we go into another group, which will likely include, you know, either Honduras, Costa Rica, Mexico, you know, Canada, those type of teams. And out of that group, only two go through. So uh, it's a difficult, long process. There's a lot of games to play. And, uh, and obviously we have a, a young team this time because a lot of the older players in this age group are have been retained by their by their professional clubs. So, yeah, talk about that process as you worked with coaches uh, professionally and even college coaches. How hard was it this time around, Tab? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was really difficult this time because, you know, fortunately for us, you know, uh, we have a lot of players who are playing on professional teams. Uh, and because of the timing of this tournament, it makes it very difficult for the professional teams to release the players because they need them. Uh, and so that's something that obviously we, uh, you know, me as a coach, we have, I have to understand. Um, I'm happy that, that our players are just getting better and better, uh, and that's the reason they're not here. Uh, but at the same time, I need to think about, you know, the, the, the players that we do have here, and I do think that we still have a good team and that the players um, that I have with me here are certainly ones that can that can do well in defending our title. Tam, set the table for everybody listening. Some big names that have to play big roles for you to, in fact, make it to yet another World Cup and be there in Poland in June. The big names that, that I would say are here are mostly younger players. So there are a lot of the players that people have not heard about yet, at least too much. Uh, Alex Mendes is a great midfielder that just signed a contract at Freiburg two weeks ago. Uh, we have uh, one Pablo Torres who plays at Lachlan in Belgium. Uh, Justin Rennix is at Indiana University. Um, we have, uh, you know, Uli um, Yanez, who is from the other Galaxy Academy. He's two years younger, and he's he's signing with Wolfsburg. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of younger players who I think uh, in this particular group will will take the lead and and hopefully. Uh, 
help us stand with the cup. And what about the preparation? I mean, you already spent some time talking about how hard it's been dealing with the coaches, and it's not like you've had a ton of time with this unit, right? I mean, you've only had limited windows to get ready for this important qualification, right, Tab? Yeah, I mean, this this has been the most difficult process because we only we have only been able to complete our team as of last night. So we had three more players fly in, actually four players fly in last night. Uh, so this morning session that we just ended was the first one that we've had with a full team, uh, you know, and that's two days before our first game. So it's really not a whole lot of preparation. I've had uh, most of these players at different camps uh, throughout the last year or so, uh, but I've never had them together. So, you know, together as a group and as a team, you know, on Thursday when, when we play our first qualify, it'll be the first time that we play that those 11 guys together. That aside, as you said, uh, with this group of six, only one gets out of there. Your expectations, Tab, I'm sure are to, in fact, get out of there. But what do you got to do right to make sure that happens? I think we have to we have to try to stay consistent uh, in the first round. It's important to, to win our first match uh, because you don't want to be playing, you know, coming from behind in a tournament like this that's, that's long. Um, you know, so winning the first game is key. Uh, you know, the last three qualifications I've been involved with, we really struggled in our first game. Uh, we struggled with Haiti, you know, three uh, cycles ago. We struggled with uh, Guatemala uh, two cycles ago. They scored a 90th minute goal to tie us. And then last cycle, we lost to Panama 1 0. So. Uh, we have been slow starters. Hopefully this time around will be a little bit different. Tell us about your opponent for that first game on Thursday and what they bring to the table. So our first opponent is Puerto Rico, you know, a team that's pretty, very disciplined, actually. All the games they play, they play are one-goal games. Uh, they play with a line of five in the back and four in front of them. So they're really, uh, they're happy defending the whole time, and they do that really well. And sometimes they could be uh, dangerous on the counter. Uh, we've been preparing to try to break them down. Uh, and we're hoping at different times in the game they attack a little bit and the game can open up. And if the game opens up, I think there's going to be a little bit of advantage to us. But, you know, at the end of the day, we know that it's going to be really difficult to – it's going to be a very difficult team for us to break through. Uh, and sometimes, that you know, that first goal can, you know, can make you wait 60, 70, 80 minutes. We just have to be patient and keep doing what, what we do. Time for just a few more questions with Tab Ramos as he was able to squeeze us in as they get ready for World Cup qualifications. And you, as any, well as anybody, know all about pressure. Are you feeling any extra pressure as you get ready to try to qualify for the World Cup, Tab? Yeah, of course. We, we feel the pressure, and I, and I do personally always, because this is part of the game. But this is also what I love about the game. You know, having played as a player, having been involved in many high-pressure games, uh, you know, you wouldn't change that for anything. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel the pressure, but I'm excited about it. I know that we play, we happen to play Trinidad in this first round in a knockout game. One of us is going to be out, and I know that they already knocked out our senior team about 12 months ago in a very big game. So obviously, we're anxiously waiting for that game, but we can't overlook the rest of the opponents because that's. Uh, that could be a big mistake. All right, I'm going to go ahead because uh, I know about your greatness, and I'm going to make that assumption that you are going to qualify and do a great job and go over to Poland. And based on that, even doing a good job in Poland, I'm going to continue to maintain that you should be considered as one of the top choices to coach the full national team. I know you got other things on your mind now, Tab, and uh, but let's say all that stuff does happen. What uh, kind of honor would it be to coach the full national team? Well, I think in general that would be uh, that would be a goal that every every coach would have coaching a national team would be the biggest honor uh, but like you said I think you said it perfectly you know uh, all I can do right now is focus on my job that's what I want to do I'm, I'm excited about what I'm doing here uh, with this team and I'm going to focus on that and not worry about anything else. All right, finally, Tab, as you know, I've had the opportunity because of George Kiefer, who I had great respect for when he was at South Florida. He always did the uh, then-named NSCA College Game of the Week on Fox, and he's had me come in and call several games. They got a little guy named David Loera that reminds me so much of you with great pace, not big in height, but huge in heart. The NC State Wolfpack are back, Tab Ramos. That's pretty exciting, i got to believe, for a former Wolfpacker. Uh, the Wolf back are back. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I talk with George all the time. Uh, I'm very happy that the program is doing so well. Uh, and Loera, yeah, he's, he's a good player. Listen, hopefully, you know, we can get other national teams. Obviously, we have Manny here on the U-20 national team. Hopefully, Loera at some point uh, could be someone that, that the whole country uh, knows about and recognizes as one of the top two or three talents. I think, 
uh, certainly playing at a school like NC State. Uh, he has a great opportunity to do that. Tab Ramos, on behalf of the United Soccer Coaches, please know that we are all pulling for you and the U.S. Under-20 team as you look to qualify for the World Cup in Poland. Thanks for uh, giving us some time and kicking off our show. Thank you so much, Dean. Thanks for having me on. Tab Ramos, he's amazing. His team plays today, that's right, today against Puerto Rico as the USA Under-20 team qualification CONCACAF style gets underway. College soccer tournaments are rocking and rolling semi-final weekend for women. The men's soccer tournaments get rolling next weekend as well. NCAA tournament time, decision day around the corner as well at all levels. D1, D2, 3, junior college, you know it. We'll talk to those winning coaches at some point on this program. Janet Rayfield, an honor award winner for United Soccer Coaches, has Illinois back in the Big Ten semifinals. A great story as she brings her team back up to prominence. It's it's Janet Rayfield, head coach of the Illinois women's soccer team, when we return. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I want to thank Tab Ramos, the head coach of the U.S. Under-20 Men's National Team, for kicking things off as uh, we switch to college soccer now. We start with the women, and we start with a longtime friend, a longtime friend of the United Soccer Coaches, uh, an Honor Award winner, and she has been a leader for women advocacy issues as well, talking about the great Janet Rayfield, who is rolling on in the Big Ten Tournament, and Janet Rayfield joins me now. Janet, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and you're rolling on. You knock off Wisconsin. Now you'll face the Penn State Nittany Lions, Janet. But here's the thing. I had to have you on, not just because you're such a great friend of the United Soccer Coaches, but because your team overcame so much that you won only five games last year. I got to see you early. You actually had a lead on North Carolina. Your team didn't get down after North Carolina came back and won. You went over to Duke at the time, the number three team in the country, and you won that game, and you have had a magical season. 11, 7, and 1, and that magic continues, right, Janet? As you reflect on this year coming off last season, tell everybody how you're feeling. Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, you know, it, it's certainly satisfying. I think, you know, that someone asked me today if that was the word I would use, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really happy for this team, this team that um, you know, despite a couple of down years in terms of results, has really continued to grind away and, and um, you know, never got down um, you know, frustrated, I would say, but certainly kept grinding away. And for them to have, um, you know, this kind of season, you know, we laugh, everyone talks about what a great year it is, and it is. Um, but, you know, we're three overtime games away from having, like, what would have been just an unbelievable season. So, you know, I, I think this is, um, you know, it, it really has been, uh, um, you know, a season where, you know, this team has just put their head down, gone to work, um, and and let the results take care of themselves. And then as you look back over the season, certainly one that was, was special in terms of just the difference from the last two years to this year. Yeah, let's back all the way up, though, to your start, though, as you go on the road back to, you know, where you went to college at North Carolina and then face Duke and coming off what was a rough season. What made you believe in what that would mean playing those two tough teams that early, Janet? You want to test your team and, you know, looking at the youth that we had that had um, gone through that adversity. I think there it was a, um, you know, that really a, a chance for them to test themselves. And no matter how that um, weekend ended up, we were going to know where we stood. And, um, you know, one of the things that, especially after the Carolina game that we talked about was, you know, um, respect everybody, fear no one. And, um, you know, I think we went into that, um, that, to that game with that attitude. And I think we've carried that through the season. Um, you know, the next weekend we lost it to Paul and it was probably the flip side of that. You know, you come off those, that kind of weekend and, uh, you know, you, and, and so again, with every game we've played this year, I think we've learned a lesson and, um, you know, it was fear no one. And then the next week we learned you got to respect everybody. So, um, with every one of those lessons, I think we've gotten better and better and stronger and stronger as a team. And I think that's why you 
still see us here in the postseason. All right, well, let's talk about that. As you wrapped up the Big Ten season, you went down to Nebraska, a very good Cornhusker team. I know they had a, a pretty major injury, but you beat the Cornhuskers at Nebraska to solidify your, your seed, and then you went into Wisconsin and beat the Badgers in penalty kicks. Just talk about those last two games, please. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's you, you get yourself in a, a must-win situation. You know, you've had some overtime games, and now you're you're you know fighting for the, the, this Big Ten season was probably and for sure one of the tightest. Um, you know, I think in the past four wins kind of guaranteed you a, a top eight, but uh, from top to bottom, this conference is so good, and on any given day, anybody's got a chance. And so, you know, we're we're faced going to Nebraska um, after a tough game at Northwestern. You know, we had to come off that loss to Northwestern where we lost a player, one of our key players. Uh, to an unfortunate red card, and um, so now we got to go to Nebraska um, without one of our starters and in a must-win situation. And again, you know, credit to this team for um, you know uh, putting a game plan together. They play a little bit unorthodox, and you know that's one of the things I really like about this team. They can uh, their whatever it takes mentality sometimes is a, a tactical adjustment, and sometimes it's just the grit that it takes to to get to the end of a ball. And uh, you know, I thought we put a good game plan together. The players executed it well, and uh, certainly came away with that win in Nebraska. Um, and then we've got to travel back to Wisconsin where we had already played once this year and, and uh, lost a really tough one in overtime. Um, you know, and I think this game was really, um, you know, the, them going ahead with the wind at their back in the second half was, um, you know, a lot of teams that would have been a dagger, but I think our team responded well. They kept fighting, kept fighting, um, got a restart that uh, we executed um, exceptionally well and uh, tied the game up and, um, again, have to fight through 10 minutes with the wind in our face at the in the second overtime. And, um, you know, and, and then in penalty kicks, I think, you know, you get to the place where um, – practice and preparation matters and um you know we had three players do what they do d- done in practice and goalkeeper come up huge um and now we're moving on to the semifinals. talk about uh, how you do prepare for penalty kicks did you do anything leading up to the game and practice uh, after every practice uh, how did you know that uh, your team would be ready for that pressure cooker well you know i think i think you try to to um one, put them in, in a situation where, you know, everything they're doing, whether that's, you know, starting at the mid-stripe and all of those kinds of things that happen during PKs, but it's not a, um, you can't take a lot of unimportant PKs um, and expect to do well, I think, you know, so certainly, you know, we started with a lot of players taking PKs and narrowed it down and, um, you know, it was kind of a daily thing to get to a place where people felt really comfortable in that pressure situation and, um, you know, the, the, the other thing is knowing which of your players psychologically can tune out all of the um, pressure, tune out all the things that are going on and just do what they've done on a regular basis and, and on a consistent basis. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of the process as well. You're t- hearing the voice of Janet Rayfield, 17-year head coach for the University of Illinois. They'll play Penn State on Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Big Ten Network. I'll have the call with Kate Markgraf. And here's the thing, Penn State, we talked about last year being a tough year. You won five games, but you beat Penn State, and you played them this year as well. You lost in overtime. So the Illini, you talk about that fear no one. When it comes to Penn State, You that's I mean, that's real. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, Penn State's a, a formidable opponent for sure, and uh, you know. Um we're excited to play them again, um, and and again, it's you know respect all, fear none, and um, you know we're going to go into this game knowing the things that we do well. Um, you know the the thing about this time of year is you know a lot about everybody that you play. Technology has made sure that we we get to see a lot of of, of whomever it is that we're getting ready to play. So you know these two teams know each other well. It's going to be a battle. It's going to come down to small um, things that make a difference and uh, you know we're going to go in and do our best to be our best on the day and uh, you know that's all we can control you heard me talk about you being such an amazing advocate for women in the game you look at the semifinals for the big 10 three of the four coaches are in fact women where what's your feeling right now on women getting the right roles the right jobs in women's soccer right now janet well you know i have to say kudos to the big 10 i think if you look at our conference we've got 
for sure have the most female head coaches in any conference in the country. And, um, you know, I think that says a lot about the Big Ten and, and their um, commitment to to diversity and commitment to women in the profession. And you look through the ranks of, of Big Ten administrators and you see a lot of female faces, and I think that's important. And, you know, I say all the time, women in leadership positions isn't just important in sports. It's, just, it's important in any facet of the world that we live in. Um, I think gender diversity is so um, undervalued um, because I think, you know, it, there's so much um, – uh, differences that we bring to the table that make an organization better, make a, a coaching staff better. Um, and so, you know, really, I think sports is a place where that can be um, seen and, and that visibility um, certainly helps, I think. But, you know, women in positions of leadership, whether it's sport or outside of sport, it's an important step for um, the organizations and, and for women across the country. We've covered this topic before uh, when you've been on, but uh, the NWSL continues to flourish. I have the great honor of being the voice of the North Carolina Courage, uh, without question, the greatest team I've ever been around. And, uh, you know, like you, Janet, I've been in the game for a long time and, and been just so proud to be an ambassador. And you look at uh, what the NWSL, Chicago Red Stars, I know you go to a lot of their games, and now you see Miss Cola Preco get a call up uh, to the full national team. It, it's pretty amazing what that league has now done as well for what Jill Ellis does and just for, you know, girls and women. In general, that want to play the game, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, through my 17 years here, you know, um, it's gone from, you know, seeing a, a young girl and asking them what they want to do after college, and, you know, they come up with whatever career, and then their eyes brighten and they say they want to pro play professionally, and then that goes away and then it's come back. And now I think it's a steady um, and a consistent thing that those who, um, aspire to play that sport as a profession have at least an opportunity to do that and do it here in this country and the NWSL has been a tremendous um, advocate for the sport, um, advocate for women in the sport. Um, wish there were a few more women coaching in that league as well um, but certainly have had had the females in that league with Denise and Laura and, um, you know, so certainly an advocate for and, a, and a, an important part of the development of women's soccer in this country. I'm sure Jill is extremely happy to have a professional league here where her players can continue to compete and train on a regular basis. All right. One of the biggest advocates for women and diversity in general and inclusion is, in fact, the United Soccer Coaches. They just unveiled their commitment to culture. Janet, I know you're on board. Absolutely. You know, I think the the cornerstones of that commitment are something that we all believe in, um, you know, and, and I think as a coach, um, it's it's important that we talk about what we do and what its impact has, not just in terms of winning games, um, but being a place where we can celebrate our differences on the soccer field, um, you know, um, religious beliefs and differences and political differences all go away and, and, and you're playing a game that we all love. And I think, you know, sports in general can really um, bridge some of those gaps that we have in other areas. And so as a, a uniting force, as a, um, a way for young people to develop, and, and I think the cornerstones of that commitment do just that. One of the things that I've always liked about you, and, and I'm sure uh, I'll probably ask you again tomorrow when we're on the conference calls, we get ready for the Big Ten tournament, is some of your best memories. And usually, Janet, you reflect on not about wins, but on the great women that come out of your program. And, and one of those women who I continue to marvel at is Jackie Manny, who was Jackie Santa Catarina when she played for you. But uh, working with her over the years and her development into kind of a little media superstar while also being a, a super mom is is pretty impressive. Uh, it's got to be pretty nice for you to see her have such a big role at the Big Ten Network. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's fun when I go to watch a video and I hear her voice. I You know, I smile and, and have a great sense of pride. But, you know, I can tell you this. Jackie had some great role models in her mom and dad um, even prior to coming here. And, and you can tell uh, just based on the values that that family has. The, you know, the Santa Canarita family is, is a um, tremendous um, you know, you look at the athletes and the people that have come from that family, but it, it's no doubt and no surprise um, from that that, you know, she's found a way to balance her career and balance motherhood and with a great family of support and a great network of support around her. So certainly fun to watch those student athletes go on. And the, the great thing about Jackie is, you 
know how much she cared about this sport and loved this sport and, um, you know, willed herself to play professionally um, for several years. And, and for her to continue to, to do something in the sport um, that, that she has loved and that she's given so much to, um, it's great to see her find that role. Well, I can certainly tell you, Jana, that Jackie, Manny, and myself, big smiles all season long watching your team get back to the semifinals of the Big Ten Tournament. Congratulations to you. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't also tip our hat to the fact that for the first time ever, United Soccer Coaches will put not one but two women into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame, Alice Ann Wilbur, a legend as a coach, and Dr. Colleen Hacker, two outstanding choices. Right, Janet? I'm so excited that we've got the first two female Hall of Famers introduced this last week. Um, You know, I think just another statement about um, where the United Soccer Coaches is um, relative to women in the game. You know, when you think about pioneer women in the game, um, you know, Alice Ann has, has started a program, been with that program, has had extreme huge success, and, uh, you know, certainly someone who is, has paved the way for so many women um, before her. And, and then the roles that Dr. Hacker has played, um, you know, I think a lot of people see her as the sports psychologist for the women's national team um, when they won um, several world events, but, uh, you know, overlook the fact that she was actually a soccer coach and a very successful one in her own right. So for someone, a female who's impacted the game in, in a multitude of ways, I think it's just tremendous that we're honoring those two women um, and those two have been selected to be the first two women in the Hall of Fame. Janet, that's going to be great, and you and I will be up there together as well as you always bring everybody in, and then you send us off with such a positive message. Why has that always been important to you to to play that key role as part of the United Soccer Coaches Awards ceremony on that Friday night? Yeah, you know, it's an um, an, an interesting and a, a wonderful story. I'm, I'm sure most people who have been a part of the United Soccer Coaches for a long time remember Whitey Burnham, who um, you know carried on that role before me for as long as I can remember. I can I can still hear his voice in my head. Um, you know, saying the invocation at the beginning and end of, of those events. And um, he was going to miss a convention, and um, someone asked me to fill in, and then he was at the next convention. And, and at that point, he came up to me and said, hey, it's time for me to step aside and for you to take over this role. So, um, And when someone like that asks you or or, or, or uh, uh, more so anoints you, I would say he didn't ask, he anointed me, I think would be a, a better term. Um, you certainly don't say no. So I carry it with such pride and respect for um, you know the legacy of the association and the, the honor that it was for him to hand that responsibility off to me. Um, it's certainly certainly something that I take great uh, care and pride to carry on his legacy because his words were always so meaningful to me. So to try and carry that on is certainly something I'm honored to do. Oh, I'm always honored to just hear your message and uh, have often even, uh, as you know, stolen your message for things that I'm doing as well, Janet. So listen, good luck uh, on Friday against Penn State. Thanks, Thanks again for being with us. All right. Thanks, Dean. Have a great day. Janet Rayfield, Honor Award winner for United Soccer Coaches and the head coach of the Illinois women's soccer team. They play Penn State 11 a.m. on the Big Ten Network semifinals of the Big Ten Tournament. Adam Cooper, head coach of the St. Mary's College Gales, number five in the country, undefeated, just one single tie in 16 games. It's Coach Adam Cooper, St. Mary's College, men's soccer when we return. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join. Here's our host, Dean Linke. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, a big-time show, right? Tab Ramos, the head coach of the U.S. Under-20 team, getting set uh, today. They open up for CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, trying to find a spot in Poland and June. Janet Rayfield, an honor award winner back in 2012 for the United Soccer Coaches. She's got Illinois in the Big Ten semifinals of the tournament. Five wins last year and now just a step away from making the NCAA tournament. And uh, last week we promised Adam Cooper, the head coach of St. Mary's College, the Gales. They are number five in the recent release United Soccer Coaches poll. What an unbelievable season. 15-0-1 
one. That's right. No losses for Coach Cooper and the Gales. And he joins me now. Coach Cooper, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Coach, a fantastic season. I know you're not super happy about the tie against Brian Quinn's San Diego team to give you your only blemish, but number five in the country, that's huge for your program. Thank you. It's been a, been a fun year, and, and uh, every conference game is difficult uh, to go on the road and still get a point at San Diego. is not easy to do, so pretty proud of the boys. Well, talk about the team's reaction, because uh, going into this weekend, you were perfect, and obviously the coaches are recognizing that in many ways you still are perfect. No losses, but uh, were they upset that uh, it was no longer just all zeros after those wins? Yeah, the guys were dif- uh, definitely disappointed in themselves. They thought they gave that one away. Um, San Diego's a good team, but you know, I think we felt we were in control of the game. Um, little lapse of concentration on their goal. Um, you know, Costa staying at, at a perfect winning record. So um, they were pretty disappointed, which, uh, you know, I'm, as a coach, I'm pretty happy that they were disappointed. It's a good reaction. Um, you know, it shows that they care and they want to keep winning. So um, they were disappointed themselves, but overall it was a positive weekend. Great to have Adam Cooper, the top man for St. Mary's College men's soccer team, as I said, number five in the country. 13th season as a head coach, and he learned under one of the greats and another great friend, of course, of United Soccer Coaches, Ziggy Schmidt, a UCLA Bruin. He won a national championship as a player in 1997. Adam, let's get to know you a little bit better, though. I think you actually grew up in L.A. Talk about uh, your early years in youth soccer and your decision to attend UCLA. Um, Yeah, I grew up only about 25 minutes or so away from UCLA. Um, I grew up, you know, uh, youth soccer was so different back then. There weren't nearly as many clubs around, um, and certainly not in the L.A. area where I grew up. So I actually played a lot of AYSO, believe it or not, growing up. Um, And I didn't get into the club circuit until I was about 14 years old, Um, you know, which back then maybe wasn't too abnormal, but uh, but I started it late. Um, I went to a summer camp at UCLA. Um, and, you know, as Iggy was the head coach and Todd Saldana was the assistant coach uh, at the time. And Todd spotted me at the youth camp. Um, and that's where they saw me for the first time and started tracking me and recruiting me from there. All right. But let's talk about uh, some of the guys that were on your team when you won that 1997 national championship, Adam Cooper. Because, and I know you're probably going to feel bad if you miss a few guys, but they're loaded. Just say some of those names uh, that were part of that great team. That team was incredible. Uh, Matt Reese, Carlos Bocanegra, Jimmy Conrad, um, Sasha Victorine, Peter Vinus. Um, Seth George, um, Steve Shack, I can go on. I mean, that team was, was incredible. Talk about your role on that team, where you played, and uh, some of your special memories of being with that program. So that year in particular was interesting for me. I started the year off um, playing as an outside back usually, um, uh, but I actually wound up redshirting that year for an injury uh, for a sports hernia. So uh, my role was a little different that year on the team. My role was to just be a great teammate and support any way I could and um, help guys, you know, get water, shake legs out, do whatever you could to be successful. Um, so my role was a little bit different. It wasn't until the next year um, that I was able to get back. And then uh, my senior year, we were able to get to another Final Four when Todd Saldana took over as the head coach. So a lot of times uh, that redshirt year is when we've been visiting with some coaches, it allows you maybe the time up for a tipping point moment to say, hey, I want to be a coach. Was that the case? I don't need to force this or anything, Adam. But when did you know you wanted to be a coach and how did that happen? That's actually a fantastic point. I kind of knew I wanted to be a coach prior to that year and prior to even um, you know maybe being at UCLA, I used to teach martial arts um, when I was a kid, um, and I just I loved working with kids in general and, and helping and teaching. So I knew I wanted to, to follow some kind of a path in teaching or coaching. Um, didn't know exactly what it was back then, but the year that I redshirted, I would sit on the bench as close as I could to the coaches, um, and you could hear you know listen, pay attention to what they're doing, go to trainings obviously, and pay attention and help out as much as possible. And I learned so much that year. Um, just from sitting out. Uh, it's amazing what you can learn just from listening and being on the bench sometimes um, and observing. So um, I kind of knew I wanted to to be involved in teaching in some aspect before that, but that year in particular really um, piqued my interest in coaching soccer and um, and coaching it at a high level. We're here with Adam Cooper, the head coach of St. Mary's College, the Gales number five in the country, Division One men's soccer, 15-0-1, amazing campaign. And uh, kind of keeping that story rolling, after you made it to that College Cup again your senior year, tell us uh, your path, Coach. Um, so after my senior year, uh, I got drafted into the A-League, the old school A-League back then, to the Orange County Waves. Um, and I played one season uh, with the Waves. Um, and then 
at the time, right after our season ended, um, a guy named Steve Rammel, who was an assistant coach at UCLA during my last years, um, he became the head coach up at St. Mary's. And he and I were, you know, had talked on the phone. We'd always stayed in touch. Um, he's a terrific guy. And, uh, and I came up to St. Mary's. Um, it was almost like a recruiting trip. I came up. I watched the guys play a game. Um, Steve and I planned a training for the next day, and we ran training session together. Um, and when all was said and done after the weekend, he offered me the job as an assistant coach. Um, and that was tough. I mean, I was young, 23 years old, trying to decide if I wanted to keep playing and, and you know, make a shot at, at a longer pro career or get into a Division One level coaching job in the West Coast Conference and living in California. And um, so many positives to both, not a whole lot of negatives to either one. Um, and at the end of the day, I chose to, you know, be an assistant because I love coaching, and it was a great opportunity to kind of get my feet wet and uh, in a great environment. When you were able to become the head coach 13 seasons ago, talk about uh, that special moment. Obviously, I guess Steve moved on and you took over, right? Yeah, that was Steve got an opportunity to go coach with the LA Galaxy with uh, Steve Sampson um, when Sampson was the coach. So, um, and Steve became his assistant coach um, at the time. You know, I was a young assistant, 28 years old, St. Mary's. Um, you know, was still not quite fully funded and, and needed resources and all sorts of stuff. But we had worked really hard um, as a staff and really built up um, the program, you know, in those five years. Um, brought in some tremendous uh, young men to come play and just character-wise were great um, and really brought our program up a little bit. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I, uh, I worked hard. We had a whole staff that worked hard, and um, the athletic director uh, believed in me and gave me a shot. Um, you know, and I've been here since. All right, so St. Mary's College, number five in the country. Tell us everything you can about this university. For those of, you know, some people that might be looking out there saying, wait, St. Mary's College, number five in the country. Where are they? Who are they? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, good question. St. Mary's is in Moraga, California, which is in the Bay Area up in the northern Cal, just outside of Berkeley and Oakland area. Um, it's a beautiful location. The weather here is fantastic. Um, the, the campus itself is amazing. Uh, we're one of the smallest schools in Division One athletics. Um, our undergraduate enrollment is about 25, 2600. Um, we have another graduate uh, enrollment of about 2000. Um, the education here is great. Um, you're gonna you're gonna get a small class size that um, really gives you that attention you need to succeed in the classroom and succeed in life. Um, it's just a beautiful location, and uh, you know, being a small school, it's also a challenge. Um, and a fun challenge to compete against the big schools, you know, schools that have 20-plus thousand or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, we, we embrace that. Um, it's, a fun, uh, it's a fun challenge to, to take on um, and face every day, and, and we embrace it. We love that challenge. I feel like there's been some famous athletes, non-soccer athletes, that have come out of St. Mary's, uh, basketball maybe, or can you help me fill in the blanks there? Who are some famous uh, superstar athletes that have come out of St. Mary's? Yeah, our, our men's basketball program since I've been here has been amazing. Our head coach, Randy Bennett, is incredible. He's, crazy. He's got a coaching tree now that's reaching all over the place. Um, Patty Mills plays for the San Antonio Spurs, mm -hmm. um, a starting point guard for them. Matthew Dellavedova plays for the Oh, Minnesota. yeah. Um, those are probably the two big ones you hear about right now. There's several others, uh, a bunch of them playing in Europe right now. Um, you know, our men's basketball programs turned out a bunch. Right now you got Corbin Burns from baseball. Um, you know, the baseball one from St. Mary's, not told, um, playing for the Brewers, who came in in the playoffs and was, was phenomenal. Um, so St. Mary's has definitely turned out some athletes over uh, the course of these last few years. All right, Coach, let's get to know your team a little bit. Uh, I've been calling games uh, all season long and for several years, and you know we're back to that era of the international player. You have to with the changes in the academy as well. I understand you've got a, a, a nice little international team there. Talk about the makeup of your team, Coach. Um, we've got a very diverse group from all sorts of places. Um, you know, In the United States, we've got them from Colorado and Missouri and Northern Cal, Southern Cal. Um, Washington area. We've got a we've got a DC area. Um, we've got a great mix of, of players from all over. Um, and then internationally, we have uh, players from Norway, Spain, Germany, Czech Republic, um, Italy, uh, Portugal. I'm sure I'm missing a couple, you know, here and there. But uh, but yeah, it's it's you know again, it's something that we embrace. It's nice to have some diversity in upbringing in. Um, the styles of soccer um, that they bring, it's all very different sometimes, and that's also the, uh, a positive, but also can be the challenge sometimes of getting them all to mesh um, into one style for us. Uh, but it's, it's 
you know, just culturally speaking, um, team bonding, it's fun when the guys are learning about different cultures, different languages. Um, it, it creates a great, fun environment to be a part of. And talk about just that recruitment process as well. How do you go about uh, recruiting some of these international superstars, Coach Cooper? Uh, it's different, uh, I'd say. I mean, at the end of the day, for our program and myself and our staff, we will turn over every rock we can to you know find what players fit our school and fit our program. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about a fit. Um, you know, we're not looking just for you know a blue chip you know, a uh, star player. And, and quite frankly, usually we get the, the opposite of that, um, of just some blue-collar, hardworking boys that, that want to win soccer games, want to get a good education, um, want to do well in life. So for us, we'll turn over every rock we can, whether, um, you know, it's, it's some contacts overseas that we might have. Um, last year, we actually did take a trip overseas to go recruit a little bit. Um, so every time it's, uh, it's a little bit different, and, and the international player, it's getting harder and harder. There's more and more that want to come to the United States uh, to play soccer. Um, and with the academy changing a little bit, it's, it's kind of changed the dynamic of recruiting, I think, a, lo- a lot for all of college soccer, but certainly our program. Oh, absolutely. And, and a lot of programs, Coach, actually. It's, it's certainly a part of the game right now. And, uh, it, you know, it's even creating a, a pipeline for these players to go back to the pros or even stay in our country to make it to the pros as well. Or a lot of them just flat out want an education as well while they're playing the game they love. So it's all good. You can't do it alone, though. One of the things that we love to do on this program is also recognize that, you know, the United Soccer Coaches, when they say Coach of the Year, they say Coaching Staff of the Year. So you got some good ones in Charlie Camp. And Josh Duffy, tell us a little bit about them. They're great, and I've had I've been fortunate to have a lot of great assistant coaches over the years. Charlie's uh, this is Charlie's fourth season overall with us. Charlie was a volunteer coach at Louisville before he came here, um, and Charlie actually applied for the job randomly. We happen to know um, a mutual friend uh, that that recommended him as well. Um, Charlie's fantastic, very good soccer coach, uh, incredible entrepreneurial thinking brain, um, and it's changed the way we do recruit a little bit. It's changed the way we operate in the office. Um, with some, I'm as technological as you know a wall. So Charlie, Charlie's my chief technology officer that helps me out a lot uh, with some things. But uh, but he's got a great eye for the game. Um, he's a great personality with the guys and, and can goof around with the guys at the right times, but can also be serious and and give them a lot of direction. Um, Josh Duffy, this is Josh's second year with us. Josh was actually a player at St. Mary's when I came here as an assistant coach, um, which was which was kind of fun. So I got to work with Josh as a player, um, and Josh went on to play a little bit with uh, Kansas City Wizards back in the day. Um, and then uh, Josh and I were coaching club soccer together in this area for Walnut Creek Soccer Club. Um, and when I had a job opening as an assistant coach, Josh was in the area, and I was able to bring Josh on. Josh is, um, is phenomenal, very organized, um, very good coach with the goalkeepers, very good coach with our back line in general. Um, and just in general, they're, they're people you want to work with every day. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. You want to enjoy who you work with, and, and I enjoy it, and I think the guys can feed off that. Um, camaraderie and synergy between the three of us, uh, but also with the team in general. It, it creates, a, uh, again, a great environment to be a part of. Now that we know a little bit more about the number five team in the country, St. Mary's College, the Gales, and we know that the College Cup is in Southern California, which is you know not too far from where you grew up in L.A., what would it mean and what does it, what will it take for the Gales to make it to the College Cup, Coach? Man, uh, what would it mean? I mean, I don't think uh, my team in uh, 2011 went to the Elite Eight, which was the furthest uh, any St. Mary's team had gone in any sport. Um, so to get to a Final Four would be uh, obviously a huge accomplishment for our program, um, but also for our school in general. Uh, you know, the, the Final Four has only been on the West Coast so many times over the last however many years. So um, to be able to just take a bus down to Santa Barbara would be fantastic. Um, and, and a pretty incredible experience overall, obviously, for the guys. Um, and it would mean, would mean everything. I mean, it's so hard to get to a college cup. Um, it's so hard to win a conference um, in general. I mean, there's a reason why teams don't repeat a lot um, around the country to win conference championships and to get to final fours. And um, it is very, very difficult. So um, for us, we got to keep being who we are. Um, we got to stick to our game plans all the time. Guys got to be focused uh, day in and day out. Um, and that's the same, obviously, for any school. You know, you gotta um, you gotta be focused. College soccer is a grind. Um, it's not easy to to get through a season. An injury can change things. Um, a bad grade can change things. So, um, for us to get there, we've got to um, stay mentally strong. We've got to you know make sure we're in physical good condition. 
Um, at the end of the day, we got to know what our goals are, and we got to go achieve those. I love that answer. Adam Cooper, the head coach for St. Mary's College, as we wrap it up, if you listen to this program enough, you know that I like to some way, somehow make it about me, even though I have nothing to do with any of your success. <laughs> and, and with that, uh, I was the original voice of the Colorado Rapids. We made a trade after being the worst team. Roy Wegerly, we traded for Steve Rammel, who came to Colorado, ended up playing against Roy Wegerly's team in the second year of MLS Cup. And Steve Rammel was a, a key pickup late in the season for the Colorado Rapids. Tell us what Steve Rammel's doing today. Uh, Steve's living in North Carolina, uh, living a nice life. His wife's got a great job. they got a beautiful young son. Um, Steve's doing great. We give Steve trouble all the time. Steve scored the first hat trick in MLS history when he was with D.C. United. Um, so it's still fun to give him a, rib him a little bit about that. But Steve's doing great. Um, he's a great supporter for me um, and our program, and uh, he's living a nice life in North Carolina right now. Oh, that's cool. See, and I live in North Carolina. See how, again, it's always about me right there, Coach? See how we... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, it's not about me. It's about Adam Cooper. We're really proud of you, and I liked your answer on what it's going to take to get to the College Cup. You've proven you got a team that can do it, a nice mixture of international players with great players across the country. Coach, you're undefeated on the season, and that's what it's going to take. Keep uh, winning games, and you'll be there in Santa Barbara, Coach. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Adam Cooper, the head coach of St. Mary's College, the Gales. We're going to wrap up the show with Rob Kehoe. He's the director of college programs for United Soccer Coaches. It is Rob Kehoe after this Still message from Team Snap. league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Welcome back to our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Tab Ramos. His USA Under-20 team starts CONCACAF qualifications today for the World Cup in Poland. Janet Rayfield, a United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner, talking about being in the semifinals of the Big Ten Tournament. And Adam Cooper, what a job he's done as the head coach for St. Mary's College. And as promised moments ago, Rob Kehoe, the Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches, joins me now. Rob, thanks for being with us. Good to be with you, Dean. Yeah, Rob, great time of the year. It's conference tournament time, NCAA tournament around the corner. Let's start with the women. It's your show. Well, I would say the theme for the conference tournament opening weekend was drama, where numbers of the games ended up in penalty kick shootouts and dramatic at that because numbers of them went down right to the last kick. One of the ones that I saw, the Ohio State-Nebraska game, the keeper got her hands on the ball, hit the post, and then went right across the goal line, almost hit the post on the other side, and Nebraska got through on the on the win there. So exciting weekend in the conference tournaments. They continue as we speak, and so we'll see how those unfold this weekend, crowning the champions as well as determining the automatic qualifiers for the conferences. And then that leads to Selection Monday to see, in addition to the automatic qualifiers who will be the at-large bids going into the NCAA tournament. And then looking at surprises over the year, if I were to pick a couple surprises over the year, number one would be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt sits at number 10 in the United Soccer Coaches rankings, and they're at 15-2-1 in the semifinals of the Southeastern Conference tournament. University of Memphis is sitting at 17 in our rankings at 15-3-0. And then one team that has two teams that haven't really even made our rankings yet, but St. Louis is at 16-3-1, a real resurgence for their women's team. And one of the games I would like to be at this weekend actually is Penn versus Princeton to decide the Ivy League crown. They don't play a conference tournament. And Penn is at 13-1-1. They've had a quiet 13-1-1 season because they haven't been recognized nationally yet. Princeton's been in our top 25 and they are at 4-1-1 in the conference where Penn sits at 5-0-1. So that game is going to be decided this weekend. Two other games that I'd like to be at would be USC hosting UCLA. The Pac-12 also doesn't hold a 
conference tournament, so the games there in the Pac-12 this weekend are going to be very significant in determining the outcome. You have USC right now at 25 points, Stanford at 24, UCLA at 24, USC and UCLA play one game, Stanford plays two. So those points are going to be shifting around, and we'll see what comes out in the uh, outcome of the Pac-12 this weekend. Stanford is undefeated. They've held the number one spot in United Soccer Coaches' rankings all year. We'll see if that is held on to throughout the weekend. And then one very interesting conference race in another conference that doesn't have a tournament is the West Coast Conference. BYU presently sits at 21 points. They beat Santa Clara last weekend and Santa Clara is at 18 and Pepperdine is at 17 points and Pepperdine is the one team in the WCC that's beaten both Santa Clara and BYU. So, big weekend out west for the women. And then selection show is on Monday from the NCAA. So, for women, the theme's drama, surprise and holding your breath indeed. Let's switch to the men. What is your theme and break it down? Well, I would say the theme for the men throughout the season has been new faces. If you look at United Soccer Coaches' rankings, you've got University of Kentucky at number three. Now, we're not talking about Kentucky basketball. We're talking about Kentucky men's soccer. And they're at 14-1-1 sitting at number three. Then you have St. Mary's College out of Moraga, California, the West Coast Conference, and they're at 15-0-1. They're the only undefeated team remaining in the Division One men's soccer. And Dean, I know you had Adam Cooper on, coach at St. Mary's, for the podcast today. Can't wait to hear what he has to say about the special season his team is having. They're at number five. You have Portland that's at 11-1-3. And, and Portland and St. Mary's don't play this weekend, but they'll play the final weekend of the West Coast Conference. Again, a conference that doesn't have a conference tournament to decide that conference on the final weekend. Central Florida, Denver, Air Force, Wilmington, Creighton, West Virginia, Charlotte, Connecticut, Wright State, Old Dominion, and High Point are all teams out of the BCS conferences that are not the United Soccer Coaches top 25, and some of them like Wright State at 12-2-2. That's definitely a new face and a surprise. And then High Point University, where your son goes to school, 12-2-1, and they're sitting at 25 and having a terrific year. So we've had some really... Uh, numbers of new faces throughout the year in the top 25, and they've held their position strongly. One real surprise, I would say, that has been in and out of the top 25 and receiving votes is the University of Wisconsin. And Wisconsin claimed the number two spot in the Big Ten at 6-2 and two in the Big Ten. They were picked preseason to, fix, or to finish in the lower tier of the Big Ten after losing five pro players as seniors last year. And they've run off six wins in the Big Ten. Five of them have been in overtime. And they would probably uh, look at it and say there's not many teams that beat the 3M teams, Michigan, Michigan State, and Maryland in one year. But Wisconsin, with this team of a lot of fresh faces, has done that this year. So exciting year. A couple games that I have picked out for this weekend on the men, uh, Conference USA, you have two teams at 6-1-0, and Kentucky that I've already mentioned, and Old Dominion, and they'll be playing and facing off to decide Conference USA this weekend, and then Stanford-UCLA play. Oregon State sits at the top of the Pac-12 right now, and again, the Pac-12 doesn't play conference tournament, and they've got three games remaining, so there's still going to be a lot of points on the table there to decide the outcome, but Stanford is at UCLA this weekend, and that's going to be a highlight on the West Coast. Rob Kehoe, the Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches, what a great capper to what's going to be an exciting weekend, what's been a great college soccer season. Rob, we'll talk to you more as we walk our way to the College Cups for men and women. Thanks so much for being with us. Great day. It's tournament time. Tournament time indeed. I want to thank all of our guests, Tab Ramos, Janet Rayfield, Adam Cooper, and Rob Kehoe. I want to thank the good folks from United Soccer Coaches, Mike Knipper, Sean Chevro, and the gang. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you same time, same channel next week for another edition of United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. 
United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.